Hey everyone, before we get into this episode, I wanted to let you know about a new way we're communicating with Almost 30 Nation. We're texting you so you get exclusive deals and promotions via SMS. So this is what I want you to do right now. Text the word PEACE, P-E-A-C-E to 380-600-3030 and you're going to get our Inner Peace program for free. That's right, for free. Absolutely free when you text the word peace, P E A C E, to the number 3806003030. That's 3806003030. Y'all, we're so excited about this. It's such an easy way to just stay in touch. So save us in your phone as almost 30 or your BFFs, whatever you want to do. And we will be sure to send you our exclusive discounts and promotions. So again, it's 380-600-3030. This week, text the word peace and you'll get inner peace for free. Hello and welcome Almost 30 Podcast. How's it going? Hi, everybody. If you aren't subscribed on YouTube, get on on it. Today we have makeup on. Zoom in. Subscribe on YouTube. Zoom in. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) Guys, we've got full faces on. Come join us on YouTube. See us on video. I was just, I have like a comb over right now with my headphones. It's very, wow. I was like, wow, okay. Dude, I used to little cloud. I used to part my hair so deep to the side since I was little. And I didn't know that no one did that until people started making fun of me. Oh, really? Yeah. I guess like middle part was in. I did the thing where <laughs> I would go into the bathroom as much as I could, whether I was at school or I was at home or like a family get together. And I would wet my hair mm. just to the point where I would comb a brush through it. And then, you know how like when you have the side part, yes. you create a little wave? Yes. And the water would make it stay for, you know, 15 minutes. And then I'd do, <laughs> I would do it again, which, you know, hairspray would have done it. I like the side part on you. But yeah, I mean, whatever. But it's just a little deep right now. It's a little Donald Trump right now. I'm like a little like butt of a quaff in the front. Um, welcome back to the podcast. We're happy to have you here. These are the Ask Me Anything episodes. So every once in a while, at least once a month, Lindsay and I sit down and we answer your guys' questions. We just like to get in conversation with you, uh, talk about what you're interested in. And it's just really casual. So you can search um, Ask Me Anything Almost 30 and find other episodes where we talk about relationships, sex, spirituality, our journeys, business, all of those things. And it's Mm -hmm. really the time where we want to just um, answer any burning questions you guys have. Because I know most of our conversations are mostly deep dive interviews. Yeah. It's also fun for us to kind of noodle on this stuff. (laughs) You know, there are some concepts and just things that you guys ask us that make us, yeah, think more deeply about, you know, how it shows up in our own lives and what we think about it. So... As always, you know, it's just from our perspective, take it or leave it. But thank you guys for submitting questions. So many good ones. Some of my favorite were how to lose stubborn belly fat. <laughs> I think that one was a very good one. That one was one of my best. Oh, man. Also, speaking of... I love stubborn but belly fat because that's literally... That's the ad. That's the ad. I, that's what made me a little sad. I was like, oh, oh you I saw know. that ad that we saw yeah. with the butt belly. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. like, is this hormonal fat? Oh my gosh. Anyways, so it was, but on that point, I was in yoga today and I actually felt bad for the instructor a little bit, but (laughs) so this one, I mean, hopefully she doesn't listen, but, and you know, no shade, I actually felt bad for her, but 
we're doing crunches on the ground. We're doing like the core work, which actually pisses me off. Like I want to be in flow. <laughs> I want to be in flow where I want to be like laying down. And so we're doing core work. And she's like, this is what burns the FUPA. <laughs> she's like, do you guys know what a FUPA is? And people are like, yes. <laughs> Wait, what? And becomes all of a sudden becomes a conversation. And people uh... are like, yes. And she's like, yeah, this is what you want to do to burn the FUPA. Like we all want to get rid of the FUPA. And I was like, oh my God. Is this God. yoga? Honestly. I was would, like, would Yogananda, would Yogananda be happy about be talking that about a fupa? Oh, I don't like that. It was, it was just, it was just jarring a little bit. You know, where you're like, oh, what's going on? You know, you're like, what? And also, just that's like a slang term. You don't I, say that. And also, you don't, you know, why? You don't want to burn like, your body. <laughs> also, also, it's just like. You don't know who's in the room, 100%. what people are going through, how they feel about their bodies. Like, yeah, I just don't like that, like putting on that perspective onto people. Like 100%. some people might fucking love their body. And yes. I, I don't know. That's I just the goal. don't like that. That's the goal. I know that's, it was hard because I was like, oh, I'm personally offended by this because I've never felt like my stomach is like my shining star, my whatever. Mm-hmm. But so I was like, oh, I'm definitely triggered personally by this. You know, it's definitely a thing that I'm having personally. But then I was like, if they said that about a body part that I did feel confident about, whatever that may be, I still would be a little bothered mm-hmm. by it just because it's, that's not what this is about. Like, I'm not here to burn fat on my body. Like, yeah. it was, but then she kind of caught it and she's like, oh, um, I'm trying so hard to be PC, but I'm not being PC. And I know there's probably people here on class pass that are probably going to write a bad review. <laughs> and I think she yeah. thought that was me because at, when I left class, she was like, I love your set. I literally love your outfit. I'm, I don't look cute. She's like, I literally love your outfit. And I don't know if it was my energy of being like, whoa, what's going on? It's from 2016. Uh, it, was, it was. I was like, it's my friends that I stole. I don't even know. It, but it was just so interesting. I was like, oh, I felt bad for her. I was like, oh, afterwards, she's probably like, shoot, why did I, yeah. why did I say that? It's actually funny you said class pass review because I left one this morning and I never do. Oh, you did? What'd you say? <laughs> That's actually hilarious. It's, I'm on a feedback tip today. So I was just like, okay, I'm going to just leave it. I'm going to be kind, but also just give like mm-hmm. constructive feedback. That's what's hard. It's like, this could help you. Yeah. Like I, <laughs> I was like, I actually don't want you to share this directly with the instructor, but I would love for this feedback to kind of be a part of like her ongoing training. <laughs> I love. <laughs> but the instructor was, first of all, the music was just all jacked. It was very abrupt and clunky. And as a former fitness instructor, I'm just a snob that way. But you know, if I'm doing a yoga flow class, I, I really appreciate someone who is having a conversation as she instructs rather than a robotic voice that feels just like very, I don't know, it's jarring. I can't drop in. Very weird. So I, I took this exact class and had the same exact experience. Yes. And I actually was like, I literally thought to myself, I, I, it was one of those things. I'm like, I don't want to judge, but the voice has to drop. And it, it just needs to become more human. Yeah. Like I was thinking, yeah. And it was just like, maybe she's new. And down dog and bring it back. And blah, blah. I was like, oh man, I just, I couldn't. And then like she would drop some inspirational pieces that would be in that same tone. And I'm like, oh man, I don't believe you. But I was like, this is actually yoga. Meaning this is the practice of yoga. Facts. I didn't want to walk out pissed off. I was like, okay, Linz, like you're, this is your own practice. 
you have your own inner voice that can lead this class. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I did. It wasn't the best. And then I left a review. Mm-hmm. I said, you know, I, didn't, I don't want you to share this with her because I would feel bad because I know that feeling. She'll read it because it's public. Of course. But anyways. Um, <laughs> I love the sentiment. Is my, but... is my name next to it? Um, no. I don't know, man. Oh, cool. I know, honestly. Not the, going back to that location. is <laughs> probably a listener, so. <laughs> uh, but that's what's hard about, we did the episode with Therese Huston about feedback and that's why it's so, it's so crucial. And, and even, yeah, it's because that kind of feedback of like, hey, babe, you have to come a little early to, to get your music right. That, because I actually yes. had that experience too with the music and it was, yes. that was a huge problem for me. Yes. Not a huge problem. I fucking didn't say anything. I didn't do anything. I left and didn't think about it. But it just felt like this is something, you got to come early. The music is a huge part of this yoga brand's yes. vibe. And so it has to be, it has to flow. It can't be like really, really, really quiet and then super, super, super yes. loud. It has to, you know. Well, so. that's a, as a fitness instructor, that's part of your, you know, as a teacher, a teacher's prepare for their day. We prepare for our interviews. Mm-hmm. Everyone prepares for their job. So it's really part of that. But, and so to know what's happened more than once, maybe they just need to come early. But yeah, that's, that's so interesting. You know, what's funny too, is there's so many women in almost 30 nation that are amazing yoga instructors. I know. It's so hilarious. I know. So many. And these women are probably new. So one love and I know Fuka oh, felt for bad. Sure. But. Dude, me and my early soul cycle days, are you joking? Mm-hmm. Bad. Mm-hmm. Bad. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> so please, yeah. Anyone but, starting out in But there. it's hard with reviews because all reviews are fake now. Mm. All of these companies, this is I not know. what the episode is about. Once we're done with this conversation, we're done, everyone. <laughs> so don't, let me tell you a little Kristen bit about fake I reviews. just needed to catch up We just on this. needed to catch up. <laughs> Let me educate everyone on fake reviews. But companies buy just fake reviews where people offshore do hundreds and thousands of reviews that are five-star reviews. So then when you buy from a company, it's like 50,000 five-star reviews and it's not even really real. Like a lot of them are not even really real. Some of them are. But that's what's hard about reviews now is that reviews are so commodified that it's like, is this real or not? Like, can you take everyone's, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mine was real though. I know. <laughs> Proud of it. I'm going to start with a beautiful question. Uh, someone had was asking about the truth about self-sabotage in our own lives and with a romantic partner. Mm. I think I had that. I wonder if, I wonder if I'm they sure asked the same the person. Same. Wait, that's hilarious. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. I love that. Well, thank you for making sure one. that it's known. <laughs> um, I feel like we hear the, the term self-sabotage a lot. And I am definitely someone that does self-sabotage myself. Um, I think when it comes to... So mine is tricky because it shows up when I want to shine, mm. but I know that I'm that I feel the pressure to be a certain way. And mm-hmm. so in order to not actually show up as that full embodied mm-hmm. person, whether it's like performing or whether it's showing up for the podcast, what have you, I can just kind of feel this like crippling self-judgment and possible expectations from other people. And it's so much or your easier. perceived expectations. Perceived right? expectations from people. And it's so much easier or my mind perceives it to be so much easier to just kind of get a little bit smaller, which is kind of my form of self-sabotage where I don't fully express myself or I don't fully show up. And then that in turn 
will not be something that people expect from me. Mm. And therefore, I don't have to work so hard mm. to show up in that way. Rather than make that like the the natural thing that I do, I think I just contract in order to kind of withhold that like seemingly easy expectation to meet. It's been something I've been working on over the last couple years, um, especially in therapy. And I just realized that I saw a lot of self-sabotage growing up. Mm. Saw a lot of self-sabotage um, within my own family system, especially uh, one of my parents. Even though I view that self-sabotage as kind of sad and something I would never want to do, it's something that just is like ingrained in what I've seen. So I have a lot of compassion for that part of me because I think it's a protective mechanism at times. And I just kind of want to work. I really want to work on being able to be so present in the moment that I'm not looking too far ahead or thinking about what happened in the past in order to kind of like justify the contraction Mm. in the moment. So being as present as possible has really helped me to, um, yeah, just diminish some of that self-sabotage because I'm actually here in the now, which is so perfect and so beautiful and has everything I need. And I'm not looking too far ahead, too far back, picking up on perceived expectations. But yeah, it's a constant struggle. It's just a practice for me. Mm Mm-hmm. I think for you too, you you do stuff that helps you be in states of when you're not self-sabotaging. Mm-hmm. You know, like music or like being with Lee or like Sean. It's like being with people and in situations where you're not. So you can hopefully like note what that feels mm-hmm. like. Totally. Like it's really important that you note when you're not, when you're in phases of non-self-sabotage, mm-hmm. like what it feels like to be liberated. I think interestingly, so with self-sabotage, I don't do any of it. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, with self-sabotage, it's such a primal protection mechanism. You know, it's, we think about it over time. Like when you went outside of the bounds of the tribe or the community, it was for the most part unsafe. So we set self-sabotage as a way to protect ourselves, as a way to really stay within tribe, stay within community, stay protected, stay in homeostasis. And really it's like part of the natural evolution of humans. And it's really normal to self-sabotage. I think it's the most important piece of it is to really note or get really clear on ways in which that you do self-sabotage. And the way that you can do that is by being really clear about what it is that you do want in life, how you want to feel, how you want your life to be, how you want your relationships to be, how you want to feel in your body, how you want to express in the world. And then write like what is actually happening in your life. Like what are the practices that you're doing that aren't matching up with the ones that you want to do? And doing that through meditation every day or having like the review of your entire day is really helpful because you can find the parts where you fell short. It's like at the beginning of the day, as an example for me, a goal of mine would be to be like slow down while eating and feel like I'm really nourishing my body. At the end of the day, I could look and be like, did I, did I do that? Did I slow down? Did I really nourish my body? And it's like, if there's a discrepancy, how am I sabotaging what I really wanted in my clear mind of my morning, of my meditation, of my goal setting? How am I not living up to those expectations? What am I doing to sabotage what I really want? So being really clear and being really, really heart-centered about what your truth is and what you want out of life and what you want out of your experiences is probably the most important part of that because that's going to be your focus. Mm -hmm. And then really analyzing what practices are keeping you from that experience or from that life. 
So for mine, I think, you know, the food thing is obvious. I think the eating one is obvious, but I think one of the ways that I used to really self-sabotage was like being in my own head and feeling so much where I wasn't like grounded about what I was doing. And another way that I've self-sabotaged is by concerning myself so much and abandoning, abandoning myself when I'm with other people. So that means like with friends or with certain people, I just would completely check out and whenever I'd hang out with them, whenever I'd be with them, it would be all about them. I mean, we've done that so much. Mm-hmm. Me and Lindsay are masters at that. Yeah. And so that means never talking about what's going on with me, never talking about my life, my issues, my problems, never talking about my dreams, my goals, my ambitions. I'm just in that relationship to really serve the other person. And I just overexert myself and I would exhaust myself coming home and being like, I don't, I couldn't even have someone ask me like, how are you? Mm -hmm. I would be so like surprised by the question. I'd be like, what do you mean? Like, I have no idea how I am because I haven't checked in with myself. I don't know if it's okay to tell you how I am. I don't know if it's safe. I don't know if you really truly care. And that's from, you know, growing up in a household where I felt completely neglected and I felt like my emotional needs mm-hmm. weren't worthy. So the abandonment of myself has been something that I'm really working on over the past year. And that for me now looks like first the awareness of like, how do I want to feel in my relationships? I want to feel like this is even. I want to feel like I'm talking just as much as you're talking. And if you're talking a lot one time, maybe the next time I'm talking. And Maybe I'm sharing a lot this time. Maybe you're sharing a lot back that time. I want it to feel like an equal energy exchange. Mm-hmm. I want it to feel like equal support. And how is it not meeting that? And what relationships in my life aren't equal support? What relationships in my life am I giving a lot where mm-hmm. I'm really spending a lot of my time as the emotional support system or as the cheerleader or as the whatever, and I'm not really getting that back? And what relationships are worth a communication or conversation about that? So I think abandonment of the self is a huge one. I think yours is a huge one too. Mm-hmm. Dimming of the light. And I did that as a protection mechanism. Mm-hmm. I had to abandon myself to get fed and get love when I was really little. So it's really deeply ingrained in me. And as I learn to reparent myself, as I learn to just live in more honorance of who I am now, and recall those parts of me that really felt that experience, I'm able to like do better each day, although it's still a process. Yeah. Yeah. That's really beautiful. I think also, you know, last piece of this, part of the question was also in romantic relationships. Mm. And I think if it's a new romantic relationship or perhaps you're dating and you feel yourself self-sabotaging, I felt like I would do that right before it's like the contraction before the expansion. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's almost the doubt in like the true beauty of your life, the true dream coming true. Mm-hmm. It's like the doubt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're like, no, this can't be, mm-hmm. or I'm not worth it. I've never had that before. And it becomes so overwhelming the thought of, so who am I if I actually get what I desire? Mm-hmm. Who am I if I get what I desire, especially? a romantic partner. And, you know, from my experience, like at first the pressure can be so much that all of a sudden you start to overanalyze who you are, how you show up, what your um, issues are and what you still have to heal and are completely denying the fact that this person 
sees you, all of you, and actually still wants wants to be with you. <laughs> so I see, you know, I see how that can absolutely show up when someone comes into your life who, you know, seemingly checks all the boxes or makes you feel so good and loved. And it can feel like a lot mm-hmm. to actually say, wow. I got what I wanted, (laughs) you know? And like, that's, it feels like a responsibility to almost like uphold that Mm -hmm. and keep that. And so the self-sabotage comes in so that you don't actually have to uh, step into that like new level of Mm -hmm. who you really are Mm -hmm. out of fear. It's like fear that you're losing it. And that's the self-worth work. Yes. You know, where it's like, am I worthy of this? I think something, a way that I've self-sabotaged in personal dating relationships, for a while, my patterning was cheating. Mm -hmm. Either I would cheat or they would cheat. And I almost like, it was like an expectation in every relationship that I had that, oh yeah, of course they cheat. But then we get back together and we're stronger than ever. (laughs) And now I can like emotionally (laughs) manipulate them for years. And like, just like, they'll be my bitch because they have to make it up to me. Mm. Like, and that's, of course, coming from a stance of like being deeply hurt and deeply violated and deeply, you know, having trust broken. But there was also that other side of it where I was probably doing that at times. So taking responsibility. But that sort of like energy around fear of cheating, fear of them liking another girl or looking at another girl or anything like that. (laughs) Dude, I mean, dude, Justin... When I first moved to New York, me and Justin would be at dinner. And Justin's like the most present person. Yeah. Like literally so present, it hurts. So he would sometimes look around. Like he's noticing everything. Like he's, he'll never forget anything. He noticed everything. I would be like, what? I would be like, what are you looking at? (laughs) And he would be like, do you want me to put blinders on? I'm like, if we have to, yes. He's keep, like, there were dumplings on that plate. Literally, he's like, I'm like, keep your eyes on the fucking prize. I used to literally like watch the pupils of his eyes and make sure the fucking pupils of his eyes were like not looking around. That's how deeply scared I was of like him looking around or cheating. And that's self-sabotage. It's control. It's yeah. like fear. It's mm-hmm. insecurity. All sabotaging this person as like a living being that is you know, doing their existence. So in relationship, I mean, there can be so many ways that we self-sabotage. It's like getting jealous, like getting fearful, withholding parts of yourself. Mm -hmm. I think withholding parts of yourself is a really, really big one. Not communicating how you feel, um, not letting them in on your life. There's just a lot of different ways. So always thinking about what is the ideal situation? How do you want to feel? How do you want to express? And then writing down what is like the discrepancy there? Like what are the practices that are with really withholding you from that? And then you can sort of pick those apart on a daily basis to hopefully bring yourself closer to how you want to feel. Yeah. That story is so funny. Dude, I feel so bad. (laughs) It's so sad. I mean, I, dude, shout out to me because I literally could give a fuck now. Yeah, of course. Literally, of course. Could give a fuck. I don't know if that was just like the first stages. Like, I hated that shit. I had a girl DM me and we were talking about it. She's like, how did you get over that? And I'm like, I don't know if it's age or what, but like, Mm. you know, oh my God, I used to be like, you know, the days where it, before we were dating, I'd be like, oh, he liked this person's photo. I'm like, stressed. It's weird. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever, I don't know if I've ever gone that far to be like, you know, fucking don't look at dude. <laughs> but <laughs> what do you mean? That's not but normal. <laughs> I do. I, I noticed a shift in my energy around that when 
I really like started the that like self-love work. It sounds yes, fucking cheesy it's, as shit. True. But it's like when you're confident in yourself and who you are and like what you bring to a relationship and just how fucking great you are, mm-hmm. which all of you are, mm-hmm. it's like sometimes like if I if I notice like a beautiful girl mm-hmm. walk by and I'm sure, you know, Sean Caesar, I'm just like, cool, not me. A hundred. <laughs> But now it's like we you joke know? about it. Like there was yeah. this girl walking across the street and she had the fucking nicest like ass and legs. And I was, <laughs> I was like, those thighs look delicious. <laughs> Justin and we were just bawling. Like, because it's, yeah, now you can just laugh about it. And it's yes. like, it's, it just is like, there's an energy that's happening when they're seeing someone and they kind of feel scared and bad. And they're like, totally. oh my God, I'm scared and bad. And you just can joke about it and just be like, oh my God, totally. that's a hottie. Keep your eyes on the rest. And with guys... It's, I mean, their chemical makeup is completely different. I know. And like, I can't even, like Sean and I have had conversations where he's just expressed to me, he's like, man, I haven't seen you in two months. And like, let mm-hmm. me just bring you in on some of my thoughts right now, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm like, oh, wow, that's so interesting mm-hmm. because I, I never would ever worry about him cheating, but I'm just like, I haven't had any of those thoughts, totally. which is not right or wrong. It's just like, my chemical makeup. I'm mm-hmm. not having like this, like all of a sudden ping of desire. Dude, now that you guys, anything. I did my hormones, I'm taking testosterone cream. <laughs> I am objectifying men left and right. I am literally like bend over, bitch. In my workout classes, <laughs> I'm checking men out. It is, it's crazy. Wow. This testosterone cream. Looking at their cleavage. Uh, honestly. <laughs> I like smack their asses and call them dirty names. It's so crazy. It's made me... Obviously, it's increased the libido a bit. So <laughs> ladies, definitely get your hormones tested. We've talked about it a, a bunch. But it's been like, whoa, I can see how men in the tiniest way yes. feel. Yes, And it's stressful. Totally. <laughs> because all of life is like, do not feel that way. Yeah, yeah. Do not act that out. Do not do what you're feeling. Mm-hmm. And that's why men like, I, who knows? That's a whole nother 100%. can. All right. Whole other can. But good one. Thanks for that. Love that question. All right. Next one. I love this. What questions to ask myself and my partner when deciding to move in together? Um, and there was also like a side question on like, what if, I, furniture. Hate, what if I hate his furniture yes. and I'm stressing out? I love that. So the furniture oh. thing. Um, oh my God. Oh, when I moved in with Justin. So we moved in after, we moved in pretty fast and I wasn't planning to stay there. I was like planning to live in Connecticut and like commute. <laughs> <laughs> and then I saw how much rent was. His decor was, oh my God. He had these like wavy mirrors that he super glued to the wall. So when we yep. took them off, the fucking wall came off. Yep. <laughs> he had this like giant silver modern clock on the wall that was like the size of the whole wall. It was so bizarre. It was like Batman, like Dude, budget. It was I love very, guys. very weird. So we kept my stuff in storage for like six months and I was like, hey, we better rotate this. And we finally did. I think it depends on your man. I think there's some men that really care about what they have, their furniture. What I've found is that also to Justin's stuff, I just ended up like stuffing it in the closet. Like he has like a Bo Jackson picture that I've like... What's Bo Jackson? Who's Bo Jackson? He's one of the greatest athletes of all time. Oh, got it. Okay, cool. He went to Auburn. He's like uh, played uh, baseball, football. He's just... Oh, like, you don't want to put that on your credenza? I know, honestly. <laughs> it was like right by like a silver pot. <laughs> and I think they know that you maybe have a better eye or maybe you do, but I think just bringing him in on the conversation and what Justin has had to have is his own little spot. So he's had to have his desk, his desk area and the office area, which is same for, mm-hmm. same for S-Dog, is 
his spot. I do not touch it. It's all of his. He keeps it super night. He's obsessed with it. So as long as he has his own little area, he's been fine. And then just, I bring him in on the conversation as much as as much as we can about any decorating, but we've gone through a few iterations. And the last one, I just sort of was like, hey, here's like how much I'm going to pay. If you want to pay for some, you can. He obviously ended up paying for mm-hmm. it too. But um, I was just like, I'm kind of doing this. Yep. Yeah. So, so I'm- bulldozing, ladies. <laughs> Send him the Pinterest board (laughs) and say, I'm like, you don't have a say. Give him a doggy, (laughs) give him a doggy bed and bulldoze him to get what you want. Also, same sex couples. Hey, I'm sure it's kind of, I I don't know. I don't know that experience. I'm thinking of my best friend and his husband, and it's kind of, I'm jealous. I know. They're so, they're so aesthetically like on the same goddamn page. I'm like, that is so cool. Yeah, I'm actually doing that in real time. So as you guys know, I am moving to New York. And I have lived on my own for, yeah, a while, a long time. And I've always like kind of taken pride in like creating a space. I'm not a designer by any means, but I just like take pride in in a, in a space. And um, it's important to me, especially we work at home. Like aesthetic is important. And so in this process of of moving in together, you know, we've had conversations where he's like, like, you're gonna, you're gonna lead that, you're gonna own that, you know, the designing of the apartment. I'm like, awesome, great, 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 great. And then when we get like, you know, to level two of the conversation and we're talking about like what he's bringing from his apartment, and I'm like, you're bringing something Yo, to your <laughs> Literally. No, I, I, I really, you know, he has a, he has a nice aesthetic definitely different than mine. But I think you're right. It's like, one, I'm moving in with someone. This is our space. We're doing this together. I don't, I don't want to bulldoze the situation and just make it like freaking Lindsay Town. But I also want to be, you know, because it's something I care about and he doesn't care about as much, I do want to be really clear about like what's important to me. I want to bring him in on the process and ask him, hey, and we talked about this. I'm like, how much do you want to be a part of the process? Like, do you want final decision? Do you want like the beginning stages and we can kind of like work together on it? Like what's important to you? Um, And for the person that asked this question, like, it's like, what are those pieces that are important to him? Like sometimes Mm -hmm. it's nostalgia. Sometimes it's like they made this purchase and it was really important or it was a big one and they want to keep it. Um, And yeah, you're going to have to make some (laughs) sacrifices and that's, and that's okay. I think, you know, when you're moving in with someone, it's, at first, I was forgetting like just how amazing it is that you're like creating a space with someone and moving in with someone and how like incredible that is and how excited I am. I was like focusing on like the freaking backsplash of the kitchen or something. You know, it's like we can... Let's think about what's really, really important. Let's think about what things we can change and what might evolve over time. And also the possibility that once your partner sees like, you know, how you are creating the home, they might be like, wow, I love this. Mm-hmm. I love this. Yeah, keep going. Do it. So I think it's just the anticipation because what I'm feeling a little bit from Sean is the kind of like this, this like, oh my God, like he's not, he's no longer going to live on his own either. And he's like, am I going to lose, you know, a part of myself because you're 
decorating this? Like, what does this mean for me? And yeah, I think just the anticipation can really be a lot, mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah, I feel like men don't want to be treated like boys. Exactly. You know, yeah. and they don't want to be like, it's funny to be like, yo, your style is so whack. But it's like, also like, oh, I like, you know, mm-hmm. it's my first job and I loved mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's also too like having totally like heart for yeah what they attempted. Yeah, like he, he loves <laughs> to get like random art. Oh, cool. And some of it I love and some of it I'm like, I would never get that, but cool. But it's like, there's always like a reason yes. why he got it. Mm-hmm. So I've been like very sensitive to just like respect that. I'm like, okay, you got this for a reason. (laughs) That can go in your office. 100%. Um, But yeah, I think just as hard as and awkward as it can be, just have the conversation. Lay Mm -hmm. it all out there. Mm -hmm. Because it's probably deeper than just like... And be kind. You know. Yeah, be kind. Just be kind. Um, So questions to ask if you're moving in. Um, It's hard because like I feel like sometimes people are like lying to themselves. Mm. You know, so it's like if you're like, oh, are you morning owl or night owl? And you're like, I'm whatever, you know, like I feel like you have <laughs> I'm to, what you are. Yeah, literally, like I'm whatever you want to be. So it has to, you have to get someone to be really honest. But I just would try and figure out like how you're going to delegate like tasks, how you guys are going to delegate rent. If you guys want to open up a joint credit card and then put your rent on the credit card, put all your bills on the credit card, um, put all your groceries on the credit card. I think those are really helpful so that you guys can kind of split those at the end of the month and be mindful of your finances that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just asking like, I think a, a telling question is like, what has bothered you about roommates in the past? And kind of understanding, you know, what has bothered you about roommates in the past? They would be like, oh, they um, were so loud in the morning. It's like, well, what time do you get up? Like, how quiet are you? How deeply do you sleep? Like, what is the expectation for me as a roommate for my schedule and your schedule? Or they were always stealing my food you know, maybe they don't really like to share any of their food. Mm-hmm. And maybe you were a house that really shared all your food. Um, so I think that's like a great place to start for the conversation. Yeah. And I think asking one another, like, what are you really excited about when we move in together? And what are you nervous about? What are you scared about? Just so you're aware of kind of like what they're, what fears they're working with and they're aware of your fears because there will be like little things that happen and little moments and to have insight into their fears and anxieties around this new part of your life or new chapter might bring a little bit more compassion into the moment rather Mm -hmm. than like, oh my God, why are you doing this? Oh my God, should we have moved in together? It's Mm -hmm. like, have the conversation before where it's like, what are you so excited about? And maybe you can just do those things more often, like having coffee with you in the morning and Mm -hmm. sitting in the living room, whatever. And um, just being, having more compassion when... um, you kind of feel their fears come up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you ever get dis- depressive spells? Mm-hmm. So do you ever get depressive spells? Yes, definitely do. The depressive spells that I've had are usually precursors to, it's also it's almost like a premonition for me of really challenging times. Mm-hmm. So the times where I've had depressive spells have actually been not so much during the experience of something really hard or challenging that I've gone through, but it's almost like a premonition to what's been happening. So now I can sort of notice the trend, like in when we had a really, really challenging year in 2020, as as we all did, but um, us personally for other mm-hmm. reasons, uh, I had the premonition and I was deeply depressed over the holidays because of that and um, because of just uh, anticipating what was going to sort of happen and try and figure out how that went. But I first started having them when I was really little. I was um, probably six years old. 
And I would call it the feeling. And I was like, always trying to explain it. I was like, oh my God, every night when I'm alone, I have the feeling and it Mm -hmm. felt so lonely and I felt so, I didn't understand it. Mm -hmm. And then when I was in high school and I started to, I was really depressed for a while. Everything was gray. And that's where I was like, oh, this is depression where everything feels like it's gray. Mm -hmm. Everything feels like a movie and all the color has been taken out of it. And um, I've never been on medication or anything like that. Not that I'm against it. It's been profound for so many people that I know. But now I just sort of see it as more part of my experience and I have more tools that we've learned on the podcast uh, to navigate through them. And I don't run from it as much. I don't avoid it. I really see it as something that I'm not expressing or an emotion I'm not fully feeling or a way to tell me that I'm currently not on course. Mm -hmm. And that's just, you know, my own personal belief and experience. Of course, there is very much so the chemical component of it that is genetically um, in my family and in me, but I see it for me as just like a way that I can really reground, recenter, and then Mm. recalibrate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I found that, especially since moving to LA, I really feel like my awareness of myself in all aspects truly came into focus. And part of that was just kind of seeing parts of myself that really needed a lot of healing, which you know, has opened up these brief periods where I do feel that like pressed spell of sorts. And um, for me, it manifests in, yeah, just like this dullness. It's like you can't move your face. You have no feeling reaction. Energy is super, super low. Most likely crying sessions, you know, for, for almost no reason, but like you feel there's a deep knowing of the reason, but, and so it, Thankfully, I think with the support of therapy, even in what we do and just having these super conscious conversations, like I don't, I know that it's temporary. And I also know that it's like, for me, it's like this beautiful part of this process and just like being human. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't have it in my family. Um, it's not genetic in my family. Um, and I have not been on medication either. I, I don't consider myself to be chronically depressed, but it, mm-hmm. I do feel those those spells. And um, when I don't fight it is kind of when I really feel the purpose of it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's usually just a, a deepening mm-hmm. and or this message to slow down, rest say how you feel. You know, there's usually like a little core message when it comes up. Um, and sometimes it even comes up after like a little stint of misalignment. Mm-hmm. So you were talking before about like, you know, hanging out with people who like never ask you questions and you're just mm-hmm. expending a lot of your energy and not feeling that balance. Like that could definitely like just kind of send me into like this period of, okay, that was, that was a, t- like that was a few weeks, a month, whatever, where I was totally abandoning myself and really misaligned in more ways than than one. And so that feeling will kind of remind me, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And I think just to be clear, so this is talking about like depressive spells, not clinical depression, um, which, you know, we have deep compassion for, but truly. Yeah. Sending you, sending you a lot of love. A lot of love. All right. Next question is... 
curiosity about the behind the scenes of creating our courses? Hmm. Which is a sweet question. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love that. That's actually a really good one because yeah. it's actually way more intricate than people would think. I know. No, I'm, I'm, I'm glad because even I would like other creators mm-hmm. to kind of show a little bit. Yeah. BTS. So this is inspiring because yes, I think more goes into it than people might think and more of our personal experiences um, inspire these courses and programs. And like you guys inspire it yes. as well. And really it's, it's, I don't know how much you guys know about our team, but it's so much more of a team effort than people think. You know, I think I'm assuming, I don't know if people just think that Lindsay and I kind of do it all, but we actually have people that support us in doing it all. And then we have people that we contract out to support mm-hmm. us in doing it all. So mm-hmm. from a logistical standpoint, you know, Lindsay and I have a bunch of ideas and a bunch of things that we want to create and bring into the world that we sort of keep a running list of. And whenever we feel deeply called to something that we want to create or bring out such a sacredness and such as uh, my life edit course, which is coming out, you know, among other things we've done, then we have to really get clear on like, who is the serving? Why are we doing it? And like, what does this look and feel like? And the way that I work is from like a very Capricorn place, which is, and I'm not a Capricorn, but that's where most of my houses are, is I like to see like the structure of it. So I like to go like, okay, this program is going to be six weeks. It's going to cost $397. i am going to want to have this many people in it. And we're going to have the structure be laid out like this, where the, this is this, this is this, this is this. And then from there, I like to like build it out like of the actual like fleshing out the things. But I find that starting from the top so I can really visualize like how this will be in existence in the world is really helpful. But some people might to like really just write like an entire like few pages of what they want to do, why they want to do it. And then they can sort of break it out from there. But breaking it out into into sections and into parts is really helpful. So from there, we would have support from Allie, who's our amazing copywriter. So she would help if we needed help with editing some of the copy we've written, you know, once we've written uh, an entire program, or if we do video, um, you know, life edit, I had some video stuff, we'd have Tommy, our video editor, edit the video. I might have Allie look over the video to make sure it's okay. Um, from the point of the course being done, say it's all done, the copy's done, the video's done, the overall structure is done, it's then ready to upload to Kajabi, which is the platform that we use for our courses and programs that um, our members know about, that our members are super versed in, that all you guys, if you've been to almost30.com know about. And then a person on our team would usually upload those. We work with a company called Authentic Audience who would help us upload everything to Kajabi to make sure the flow was right. Um, And from there, we'd probably work on like timing and marketing. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely a process. I'm so grateful for the team because I think what that allows is for us to stay in a, a deep creative space. You're so good at the visioning and the strategy as well, but it really has allowed us to be super creative. Um, most recently, I did the Sacredness of Being Single program. And just on the create like creation front, um, I, I basically, I wrote the whole program in a day, one day over the summer. It's one of those feelings where it just like came through and I was like, whoa, that was, uh, what? was that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know what that was. And then I just kind of let it be for a while. And because it was there, I could revisit it and just read through it. I could, oftentimes I would come back to it, add a few more notes, a few more thoughts, a few more resources, and just tweak the ways in which I wanted this mm-hmm. program to feel. 
And I really loved the space. So if you can, if you're creating courses, if you're creating anything like that, I think you know, being able to um, schedule out a length of time between when you create the program and then when you put it out allows for it to just kind of like, I don't know, get its legs a little bit mm-hmm. and for you to have like this relationship and conversation with it so um, so that it doesn't feel too rushed or just mm-hmm. kind of thrown out there. Sometimes that really works. So by the way, if that's what you do, that's amazing. But I do feel like a little bit of time is really valuable. And then for me, it's really helpful, though we have so many people in our you know circle that we admire and watch and see their programs and things. It's really helpful for me not to look too much mm-hmm. at other people's programs and how they do things. Yeah. Because not that I would copy, it's like, I don't know. I just, I really want to listen to what my soul wants to bring yes. through rather mm-hmm. than, huh, that, that person was really successful when they did their program this way. And so we should probably do that. Not that we haven't done, you know, things like that before where we've, you know, adopted a strategy that was successful for others. But when it comes to the content and just making this program as unique as possible, I needed to put the blinders on. Granted, there's no other program out there like this. So I had that in my favor. But I really wanted to see what was coming through just naturally and organically, especially based on the conversations that I've had with women in our community around the sacredness of being single. So um, I think just trust yourself to do that. Mm -hmm. Trust yourself that like this idea has found you and trust that, you know, you are inspired to do a program and that what is in this future program already lives within you. Yes. And it's doing the thing that you want to see in the world too. So it's creating the course or program that you want to see in the world. And because it's your unique vision or your expression, I think that's why it's so important. So sacredness or the mm-hmm. one we have coming in 2022, which is unreal or life edit. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, what are you, what are you uniquely qualified to do? What do people yeah. ask you about? What do people talk to you about? What about your process or your experience is unique in the world? And I think really figuring that out and then once, just to, to go to the timeline for things, so once everything's done and uploaded and the program's complete, we would work with um, authentic audience to determine a marketing plan. And then our social media team would be in, our email marketing team would be in. Um, and then we would work on like promotional strategies for stuff. So that promotion time period would probably be like two weeks. Mm-hmm. And they sort of look different depending on what it is, but it's pretty all hands on deck with everyone. And it's really important too. I think this is the most important thing about any course or program is giving yourself the best chance to succeed by actually like from your heart promoting and selling it. And I know it can feel weird, especially as women, you know, we're such givers, but you really, if you believe in something, you know that it's actually going to benefit and serve people. And you know that it'll actually be worth the money a hundred times over. And I think that's the real thing is I don't think we're short of courses and programs. I think the problem is that people don't give their idea enough time to be successful or enough energy to sell it. And that's really most of what it is, is like getting the message out there, letting people know that you're there, letting people know that you want to support them and then really servicing them in the best way possible. Yeah. Yeah. So again, we use Kajabi to host all of our programs. Um, Highly recommend. I feel like the user experience is also um, just really really user-friendly, which is, I think, important because if people are doing 
you know, especially like self-development work, I don't want to be worried about or overwhelmed by the technical side of like how I'm accessing the information and the um, program materials. So I feel like that's really, really great. So great question. Great question. But we love that. So we have exciting ones coming this year too with Podcast Pro. We'll have two accelerator groups. So we have the um, Grow and Monetize program, which we did last year. So that was a very small, intimate group that we taught how to grow and monetize. And then we're also going to be doing a launch one. So we're going to help people um, from concept ideation to full launch on Apple Podcasts or wherever they want to host their podcasts. And then we might have an interview course out, how to help helping people really nail an interview on a podcast and then really exciting things in 2022. Yeah. Can't wait. It's going to be here before we know it. I know. I know. (laughs) And by the way, we're probably going to start very soon, like creating Mm -hmm. the content Mm -hmm. for that 2022, just to kind of give ourselves time Mm -hmm. because that big program in 2022, yeah, just like deserves kind of that like... I'd love to know what you guys think it is. I know. I'm curious. DM. DM us. DM us. How to be 30, flirty, and thriving. <laughs> That's our program. How to be 30, flirty, and thriving from us. Oh. From us, babes. Um, all right. Well, we love you guys so much. There are amazing episodes to catch up on. If you guys have not, you can listen to people like Lee Harris, Bethany Webster on The Mother Wound, Boss Babe, Dr. Nicola Perra, Sophia Maruso, Africa Brooke, Jordan Younger. There are really, really, really good ones that we've had recently. So catch up on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts and make sure you're subscribed. Yes. Thank you guys for listening. And I just want to thank our sponsors for this episode. As always, we just want to bring you brands that we love and use ourselves. Uh, Jenny Kane, Paleo Valley, Hugh Kitchen, and Tonic supported the episode today. So you can find all discount information in our show notes as well as on our website, almost30.com. Yeah, we'll see you guys soon. Love you. Bye. Bye.